KJAMS 105.3. It's in there pretty with me, your favorite radio reverend. Preach easy in the morning. And now is my favorite time in the morning. Time to go ahead and dive on into the word. But before we go ahead and get started, let's go ahead and center ourselves and just release all of the issues, the problems, the situations we really didn't want to deal with from the past week, the past month. Maybe there was just some drama at home when we was dealing, just trying to get some turkey. Whatever the case may be, let's go ahead and create our space and release it now. Just breathe on out. Just... And now that we've created a space for the Lord to go ahead and move through us, let's go ahead and breathe on in the blessings, the goodness, the promises that God has for us this upcoming week. Let's just breathe them on in now. Just... And now, if this is your first time with me, then allow me to reintroduce myself. They call me Preach Easy, not because I'm easy on the eyes, because I believe the gospel should be easy like your Sunday morning. That's not saying here we're not going to have, you know, those real nitty-gritty, tough conversations, answering the questions that you ask yourself in the middle of the night, like, who am I? Why did God make me? What is my purpose? Well, I believe all those answers are actually, they have pretty easy answers. They start with you, but the journey. See that journey getting there? That's a little bit tougher. That's why I'm here. Your favorite radio reverend, the most popping podcast, Pope. Oh, yes. You can catch me on all streaming platforms, not just here on KJAMS 105.3 on Facebook Live. You can find me on anywhere where you get podcasts. That can be Google Play, Apple Podcasts, whatever the case may be. Heck, you can even look me up on Google. You just type in Preach Easy. That's P-R-E-A-C-H. Put a little space in between E.Z. And you're not going to want to miss that because today we are concluding on the book of Job. We've been with the book of Job for the past four weeks, and if you do not know, then let me remind you, Job is actually the first book of the Bible. It's the first book that is ever written, written about 2,000 years before Genesis would have ever been put together, another 4,000 years after or to this current point. Job is an old book. It is actually the cornerstone, the foundation book to all three of the main Abrahamic religions. That is Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. All of them start with, or the first book that was written in their mythos was Job. And Job really is written more like an old school fable, like an old school book. Now, there are over 48 or 44 chapters in the book of Job, but the first three and the last three kind of read more or less like a fable. And if you don't know, a fable is kind of like an old school story, not so much like scripture, but more like a once upon a time. Uh, You can imagine like Cinderella or Snow White. Those are closer to fables. There's not exactly a tale or a lesson told, but they're presented as if once upon a time, this character was so good. This guy called Job, who the book is named after. You may read it first time and think Job, but no, it's Job. Imagine the E at the end, but erase it. Job. Once upon a time, there was this such good character, so sinless as Job, that when his family members would go off and have parties and sin, he would perform uh, rituals to kind of cover their sin. That's how good Job was. Job was so cold at being one of God's favorites that even Satan, when Satan was out on the prowl looking for people to accuse, Satan didn't even recognize Job. Instead, it wasn't until Satan and God had one of their regular meetings, as it appears in the book of Job, where God was like, hey, Have you seen my homie Job? Job is cold. He believes in me no matter what. And Satan, being Satan, the accuser, because if this is your first time with us, then you may not know that Satan is actually a title given to angels. When we first are introduced to the book of Job, remember, it's written before Genesis, written before Exodus, written before Jesus is even written about. See, the book of Job starts off with Satan in the courts of God. 
and it's not this revolutionary Satan's busting in the doors. What's up, God? I'm in your space. But more of it's an invitation. It's as if they're equal, not equals, but it's almost like an employee and an employer relationship. Here is Satan coming in and explaining to his boss, this is what I've been up to. This is how I've been earning my paycheck. I've been going across the earth accusing folk. Because if you did not know Satan, that original word is actually, like we said, a title. And it means al-Satan or the accuser. That's what the al means. It's that the. It's a title. That's how we know Satan isn't actually a name, but it's a title given to some particular angel that accuses. You can think of it like a prosecutor and a lawyer or in a case where they're saying you committed this crime, but you know for dang sure you was at home eating your little Cheez-Its and watching your TV. You couldn't have killed the person that was across town. Satan works in that accusation role, accusing you of sinning, of chattaing, of missing the mark. And that's exactly what happens with Job. See, where Job was not chattaing, he wasn't missing the mark. You can Im imagine sinning or missing the mark. The original word is chata. It means just to miss the mark, as if you were aiming with a bow and arrow and you just can't hit it because who the heck is shooting with bow and arrows? But if they gave you a basketball, now you'd be making buckets. That's the same with chataing. Satan was accusing Job of missing the mark, of being a trash basketball player or m being a trash person. But in reality, Job was so cold that Satan didn't even know about Job. But it wasn't until God introduced Satan to Job that these bad things started happening. And see, that's where the question we left off on the first part of our series, why do bad things happen? The answer we got from that was that bad things happen because God believes you can handle it. God believes that you can handle it so much that when God introduced Job to Satan, God just says there is one rule. Don't kill my homie Job. Because if you kill my homie Job, then we can't prove anything. So you can take away his fortune. And so Satan did. He took his fortune away and he took his hundreds of cattle and all his land and all his money. And Satan wasn't happy with that. Job definitely wasn't happy with that. But God said, you know what? You can take it one step further. You can take his kids, his family away from him, and you can take his health. So now Job has gone from completely poor to now his health is failing him. His friends come to comfort him, but then since they don't understand this big fable, this contest between Satan and God going on in the background, they try and blame Job for the problems. They try and blame Job for the situation saying, Job, we know you were a cool cat before, but maybe you did something to make God mad. Maybe you're not as good as you think you are. Maybe it really is your fault. And so Job, after having lost his family, after having lost his fortune, and now, despite his friends being there, actually more or less turning their back on him, Job finds himself in trouble. He finds himself in a problem, a situation, a bad time on top of a bad time. And luckily, this is the time when God decides to show up. Now, for many of us, we find ourselves in difficult situations. Maybe we're like Job. We've had tough time after tough time, bad situation after bad situation, messed up relationship after messed up relationship. We can't just get a job easy. It's been tough out here. Maybe we find ourselves at the worst of times, the bottom of our barrel, waiting and praying for God to show up. And then God does. Finally, our prayers are answered. Finally, Job, after yelling and screaming into the heavens, finally gets a response back. But it's not always a response that we're expecting. 
is not always the way in which we're wanting it. For many times when God shows up, God shows up for three main things. And that's going to be our focus for today. When God shows up. Now, this is different for when God provides a blessing, but it's not the walls shaking. It's not the lights flickering. It's not the voice in one-on-one conversation. When God shows up, you feel it. When God shows up, God is there to solve a problem. That's point number one. The number one thing that Job had going on was a problem. Whether it was Satan coming in and messing with Job's life or it was Job about to give up on belief in God, there was a problem. For many of us, maybe the problem is with just our money. We don't know how to manage it. Maybe the problem is with emotions. We don't know how to express it. Maybe our problem is our energy. We just don't know how to use it. Whatever the problem may be, when God shows up, God shows up to solve the problem. Now, for many, that's what our prayers were asking for. We were praying and hoping for the problem to be solved, for us to figure out some way, somehow, to overcome the situation. But for other times, sometimes the problem has become a comfort. For sometimes, maybe missing the mark just seems easier than trying to figure out how to do it the right way. Because you know how to be a screw-up, but it's scary to figure out how to be a success that then screws up. See, for many of us, sometimes the problem becomes too comforting. And so when God finally shows up, it's difficult for us to leave that problem. See, when God shows up, God also not only comes to solve the problem, but comes to bring perspective. If you've been in a situation like Job for oh so long, perhaps your perspective has shifted. Perhaps you've become so accustomed to the pain and the torment. Perhaps you've become so accustomed to the abuse that others give you that you think that this abuse, this pain, this is what's natural. That suffering, that pain, that abuse, that your feelings being ignored, that these are the things that are constant, but that is the problem. That's why when God shows up, God provides perspective. That's why when God shows up to Job, God doesn't show up in this heavenly body, doesn't show up with angels surrounding him or on a chariot golden. See, the author of Job could have easily had created God in this image, very similar to all the other gods that were running around at that time. At that ancient time, the Egyptians were at the peak of their empire, and so animal-headed physical beings would have been known to be gods. At this time, Babylon would have still been pushing, and so Marmaduke, which is a physical-bodied god that looks like a strong man, could have easily came in and stepped in here, but instead, the author decides, or God decides to introduce God's self in the way of a storm. A whirlwind that shakes and whips the air around him, that threatens to steal the very air within Job's mouth, that Job had used that air to question God, to discredit his justice, to even speak out against God. God shows up as the very air. Something that we can't see, but something that we feel. Something that we may forget, but something that we need. It's a necessity, yet it's overlooked. God shows up in the sense of a storm to change our perspective. We were looking for God, but now we're feeling God. We were searching for God, but now God is guiding us. See, 
God comes in, when God shows up, it changes perspective. For many of us, we've been in such a problem situation. We've had such bad times that our perspective is fixed on a bad situation. We can't even imagine what a better situation looks like. And so we keep settling and settling. When God comes in in that storm, it's to whip your head away from what you were looking at before and look up. See, God comes in in a different form to change your perspective, but doesn't stay there. See, when God shows up to Job in this storm, Job, God doesn't just continue explaining to Job that you don't understand what's going on by using human terms. See, God could have came in and said, you don't even understand the workings of your own heart. You don't understand how your blood circulates. You don't understand how your hair grows. But instead, God doesn't even focus on the human perspective. When God shows up in the wind, God asks questions, saying, Who is it that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Referring to Job and his friends that are over here trying to interfere with the plans that God has for Job because Job's friends were in the wrong. Saying that Job had done something wrong. Saying that Job had lived an actually sinful life. But we know the only reason Job is in this situation was because God believed in him from the beginning. But that takes a different perspective. When God comes in after asking and addressing the rest, God asks, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me, please let me know if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you must know, Job. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Who laid its cornerstones while the morning stars sang together and all of the angels shouted for joy? Job, let me know who made the earth. But then go, God goes on not to just finish it there because it would be one thing just to reference the earth. But then God goes on to change the perspective again. God asks, do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Huh? God, we talking about me. We talking about Job. We talking about Job's family, Job's situation, human situations. But then God says, no, 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 no. See, it's bigger. It's grander. Your perspective's too limited. See, do you know? Do you watch when the doe bears her fawn? Do you count the months till they burr to the bear? Will the wild ox consent to you? Will it stay by your manger at night? Do you give the horse its strength or cloth its neck with a flowing mane? Does the hawk take flight by your wisdom and spread its wings toward the south? See, when God shows up, God provides perspective. When God shows up, God is there to solve problems. For many of us, we believe we've been in this problem so long that we've lost the perspective to even overcome. We've lost the ability to imagine a better possibility. We've lost the ability to imagine a solution because we've been stuck in the problem for so long. It may be like you're like Job. You don't even know the cause of the problem because, see, the characters in the middle of Job, they didn't get to see the beginning part. They didn't get to see that God and Satan were having this grand discussion. And if they did, they still may not, may not understand for many of us, the problem may not have a clear cause, but the effects are definitely known. You feel the effects of this problem. Job feels it in his bones, even though he may not know where it started from. But the perspective is what he needs to know that he has power over the problem. When God shows up, God is there to solve the problem. By providing you a perspective that may be different, that may be completely alien or foreign to you. And finally, when God shows up, God is giving you power over the problem. See, Job ends two different ways, depending on your tradition. If you're of the Christian tradition, then Job ends with 
a fairy tale ending. We began with once upon a time and we end with happily ever after. Job gets everything back after proving that throughout it all, he never lost faith in God, who never lost faith in Job. And so in the Christian tradition, in the Christian ending, Job gets everything back. He gets a new house. He gets a new home. He gets his new family. Him and his wife start having children again and they began all anew. And he lives on for another 140 years. But where this would be power to stop the situation, to even restate or take back everything that was taken from you. There's an old church saying where you take back what the devil took from you, what Satan tried to steal from you. The Christian ending with the last epilogue of Job ends just this way, where God is giving power back over to Job to conquer everything. A problem that was never outside of Job's power, but due to the perspective Job had from having such many bad times, he lost the perspective to know that he had power over the situation. But then there's the other perspective. In the Hebrew tradition, there is no true ending, no epilogue to the story of Job. The story of Job simply ends on chapter 42, verse 5, and it simply ends with Job repenting. He says, I know that not you can do all things, Lord. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too powerful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears had heard you, but now my eyes, they have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. The end. In the Hebrew tradition, the original understanding, because this is where most would have gained and they would have added this epilogue following the case. See, where it ends before is that Job simply gets the perspective and the power to stop the situation. We may not get everything back that the devil took. Some things you just can't get back. One thing that I feel the Christian ending overlooks is that Job lost children. He lost people that he had memories that could not be recreated. You can't recreate the same child that you had. And so he lost those things eternally until he reinstates and goes back to heaven and sees them once again. But see, Job lost those things for real. The Hebrew tradition doesn't try and restate or cover up and make it seem like those things could be recovered. Instead, what it shows is that the problems that started can still be stopped by God. After Job repents, after this conversation back and forth in the Hebrew tradition, Job is cool. He's no longer bothered by Satan. It's not saying that he gets everything back, but now he's no longer the issue, the problem, the focus of the al-Satan, of the accuser. And he can go back to living now with the perspective to know that whatever problem comes up in front of him, he has the power to overcome. See, the Hebrew tradition gives it and focuses in on the perspective and the power of ending, of stopping, of an issue or a problem, a bad time simply finding its conclusion. May not be the storybook ending or the storybook conclusion, but the Hebrew tradition tries to present a true human tale where sometimes the problems, the issues, they just end. You don't always get an apology to the, from the person who hurt you. You don't always get forgiveness from the person you wronged. But in the end, what you gain is the perspective to learn, to see from different views about the problem and see if you are a part of it. See, for Job, he was accused of being sinful, but we know the truth. But for many of us, we can't make that same claim. 
We make mistakes. We miss the mark. We chata. That's C-H-A-T-A. That just is the old school word for sin. It just means to miss the mark. Like a bow and arrow, you're aiming at a target and you just miss it. Like a basketball, you can't make a free throw. It doesn't mean that you can't. It may mean that the ball is off. It may mean that you need more practice with a bow and arrow. Maybe the target is too far off for where you're at right now. Whatever the case may be, that problem, that sin, that shada, know that God has given you the perspective to know you have the power over that problem. Even if you find yourself constantly in the midst of that problem, you can't rip your perspective, your views away from seeing an issue on top of a problem. You can't seem to find the solution, then here's your chance. If you found yourself deep in problems, bad times on bad times, then this is your chance to accept Christ for a change in perspective, for an understanding that you have been given power over those problems. You may be sitting there thinking, it's not that easy, easy. I've been in this issue for I don't know when. My whole life I've understand this problem. I don't know the cause, but I know that these effects are affecting me. This is still for you. You still have the opportunity to have a grander, a bigger, a safer perspective. One where you don't have to be the problem, but you can start to find the solution. Where you have the power now in your hands to solve it. If you want to stop falling into the problems and be ready for God to show up, then this is your chance. I'd ask you to repeat after me and close your eyes in prayer and say, Dear Heavenly Creator, we come before you in prayer, thanking you so much that when you show up, you solve problems. When you show up, you solve problems, you change perspectives, and you give us power over the situation. Lord, we thank you and we want to live for you the rest of our days. Keep us from missing the mark and keep us close to your heart. For it's in your son's mighty name we pray, Ashe, and amen. And remember, when God shows up, God is there to solve a problem. God is there to shift and change your perspective because maybe that problem's had too much grip on where you're looking for too long. And when that perspective changes, you can now see that you've always had power over the problem whether to stop it or to restore it. And it is just that easy. This is your favorite Radio Reverend Preach Easy, and I'm signing off.